Good morning. Good morning. It is an absolute joy to be able to share the word with you today. And uh, actually, that was going to be my welcome and intro. So uh, I guess the, the video took care of that. Uh, just, you know, it's like, what, yesterday was 4th of July. How many of you, I'm, I'm kind of curious, how many of you, how many of you uh, put off fireworks last night? You kind of, you did them yourself. How many of you watched fireworks? And how many of you tried to sleep through the fireworks? Yes, yes, all right, yes. Uh, my, that, that was my wife and I yesterday was probably, I, I, I think the most relaxed 4th of July that we've ever had in our lives. Our girls are in Ohio right now, and we will be joining them on Wednesday, but uh, it was just kind of nice, like just take it easy for the entire day, no expectations, no plans, no anything, and we literally went to bed before 9 p.m. last night. We went to bed what sounded, during what sounded like the actual Revolutionary War, because we had, I mean, there were just so many neighbors that were, um, you know, setting off fireworks, right? I mean, like, you know, the, the, the big fireworks were canceled, so we, I mean, like, our, our neighborhood feed was like, hey, we're doing fireworks, you know, sorry, sorry for all this stuff, come on over if you want. Yeah, we are too, we are too. And we literally heard them on both sides of our house. Uh, it was it was actually quite quite fun and, and funny, you know. We're trying to we're trying to, to, to do it, um, just you know, kind of pray. Hey, you know, I'm praying, you know, praying together. I was like, you know, Lord, just kind of you know, give us a peace tonight. Kaboom, boom, boom, bang, boom, kaboom. You know, it's like you know, all this stuff's going on as I'm asking for this peace in the home, right? And so you kind of had. You kind of had a choice to make, I guess. You know, you could just be like, all right, I'm not going to let the enemy have a foothold here. And I'm not going to get frustrated. Or you could just be like, okay, God, you know, you are kind of funny with uh, with all that and allowing this to happen, right? Um, I guess it's all just kind of, you know, we find what we're looking for um, in, in, our, in our situations. <clears throat> um, if you don't know, uh, if you don't know me, you haven't heard me yet, um, this is my trusted friend right here, this towel. And uh, I was uh, at, a, at, a, at another church. I was described as a, uh, a, a, a white T.D. Jakes. I said, I said, Brent, you sweat so much when you're up there, man. You know, because I was on the worship pastor and all that stuff. And I'm playing the guitar, doing what Jeremy does and everything. Uh, Marette was actually you know, there, she knows. And like, I just, I would just, I would, I mean, I just get into it and I just sweat so bad and I just like didn't have a towel. And so I'm like wiping my brow and all that stuff. And the guy came up to me and goes, I'm tired of seeing you much wiping your brow on your sleeve. So here, here's a couple towels for you to use. And he's like, you're a white TDJ. So I was like, I, I'll actually take that as a compliment. All right. Because, you know, uh, TDJ is pretty darn amazing. In, 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 my, in my eyes, and uh, just a great man of the word, and uh, he has a lot of insight uh, to share. So I was like, I'll take that. Thank you. You're welcome. <clears throat> so we are in week three of the Who Is God series. I really am excited, you know, to share with you. Just kind of you know, as I've been studying. This past probably week, week and a half, even just in, in preparation and everything, um, you know, there's a lot that God's uh, shared. He's revealed to me, and 
I'm excited to share that to you uh, today. So we have learned up to this point in the Who, Who is God series that, that God is, he's, he's a good father and he's a God of exceeding joy. And today we're going to see that he is El Rai, El Rai, the God who sees you. He is the God who sees you. I'm glad I learned the actual pronunciation of El Rai, because I would not have pronounced it like that at all, seeing that, that, seeing that spelling. But he is the God who sees you. I don't know about you guys, but uh, you know, there really is, there's, there's, just, there's, there's a ton of stuff going on. You know, it's like even amid COVID and just, you know, Black Lives Matter and all of that, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take a stance, I'm gonna go there. But just there's a lot going on, right? And, and you see it, like you see it. There's a lot that's seen, especially in social media. And there's a lot of individuals that, it's like, I mean, even us, I mean, if we wanna be seen, we can be seen. There's, there's avenues, there's ways that we can be seen. But there's a lot of things that are seen, but I think it's really interesting that even amidst everything that everyone is being focused on, and, and, and just everything that's going on, there are, there are quite a few of us that, that wrestle and struggle with feeling unseen. You know, we, 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 we wonder, um, you know, you're just dealing with, with that situation. Maybe that's you today, you know, because maybe, <clears throat> maybe there's a, you know, a friend that has hurt you. You know, maybe uh, because of everything, COVID, you know, maybe you lost your job, or your job has been reduced, you know, lost your home. You know, maybe because of COVID, you know, we're, we're forced in isolation. We were forced in isolation for so much, and you struggle and deal with depression and loneliness. And if that's you right now, I want you to know that you are not alone. You are not alone. Yes, that's right. Who knew? How, how many Michael Jackson fans are out there? I am. Okay, I love the guy. Who knew he was a spiritual man, right? You know, that we could pull in Michael Jackson into, into this. But you are not alone. God is a God who sees you right where you are. And I want to share with you a few truths that God revealed to me. It's in a story found in Genesis 16. We're going to read Genesis 16. Bear with me. 1 through 13. It's going to be on the screen for you. If, uh, if you want to open it up on your, on your phones, you can. you got your Bibles. Uh, we are a technology-friendly church here, so you can uh, have uh, various, various avenues and ways that you can read uh, this text. So we're going to read through here. Um, and it says, it says this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years. Sarai's wife, sorry, after he had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Sorry, I have no idea why all of a sudden uh, Sarai became Shakespearean right there, but she did. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the, may the Lord judge between you and me. 
Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was, in the, it was the spring that is beside the road to shore. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she, said, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Join with me in a very, very long prayer. Jesus, thank you for your word. Speak to us today. Amen. So, just for the sake of, of uh, I mean, if you're, okay, so if you're not familiar with the, you know, with this event, with the story uh, in here, you have Abram and Sarai. Later, they are given the names Abraham and Sarah. And I would venture to guess that the, the vast majority of us know them as that. So I'm going to kind of reference it that way as Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, just to make it a little bit, uh, a little bit easier. So we have Abraham, and he's been given and told by God he's going to be the father of many nations. His descendants are going to be numerous as the sand on the seashore. I mean, like, what an amazing promise. It's just a problem. Sarah can't get pregnant. Like, they're trying all, you know, they're, they're, they're going to the doctors. You know, they're trying all of the, you know, like, you know, oils and lotions and just all these self-help things and nothing seems to be working. All the pregnancy tests come back negative. They can't get pregnant. Then one day, Sarah's, she's much later in years. I mean, like, well beyond the opportunity and ability to have children. And she says to Abraham, hey, Aby baby. Because I'm sure back then, I mean, they probably still had nicknames, right? I mean, like, we all have a nickname for our significant other. So why not, right? No. Okay. So Abraham, I've got a plan. Got a plan. See, I'm obviously not going to get pregnant because I'm well beyond in years. I'm too old. So why don't you take my slave, Hagar, and we'll start a family through her as she's my possession. And I can claim the baby as my own. And this great nation can finally get started as, I mean, honestly, I'm feeling really impatient. And frankly, I don't think God's really going to fulfill this promise to you. Now, Abraham, for whatever reason, actually agrees to this. Fellas, let me just say, not a good idea. Okay? Not a good idea. Just saying. So he decides to, 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 to do this, and Hagar gets pregnant. And you know, that's when things go south quick. When Hagar learns she's pregnant, she loses her sight, she loses sight of her place as slave. I mean, think about it. Here's a woman that has, for years, has been listening to, I guess, you know, like her mistress, her master, like just kind of boast for years 
oh, I'm going to be the mother of, of this great nation. I'm going to have so many kids. I can't wait. All this promises, promises, promise. When she herself has not even been given the opportunity. You know, she, she has no rights. And then first time around with Abraham, she gets pregnant. I mean, imagine, you know, it says, the scripture says she begins to, to despise. I mean, like she, she's, she's hating, other words that describe it, she's, she's hating on Sarah. She's looking down on him. Like she even mocks, she makes fun of Sarah. And then Sarah goes to Abraham and blames him and Hagar for all the trouble that she's experiencing. I mean, I, I, I can imagine Abraham be like, say what? I'm just doing what you told me to do. I mean, come on somebody, right? I mean, how am I responsible? I mean, by the way, she's your property. And I do find it interesting that she says, do with her as you think is best. So here's Sarah. I mean, she's dealing with her own hurt, her own pain, these negative feelings. And she's like, fine, if Hagar's going to treat me like this, I'm going to put her right. I mean, I'm over her. So I'm going to just make it that much worse for her. And it's so bad that the only option Hagar seems to see is to run away and go back to her native country. See, Hagar didn't want to do what was asked of her and give the baby up. But as a slave, she has no rights. She has no opinions. She would have no choice. So out of desperation, she finally fled because she couldn't take the abuse and the pain anymore. But she quickly found herself alone and defenseless, without shelter, food, and pregnant. If you're just unknown in the mass of humanity, you need to know that God sees you. As an individual, you are known by Him. Matthew 10, verse 30 says that He knows the very number of hairs on your head. Luke 12, 7 says to consider that your worth is more than the many sparrows in the sky. And consider that He took an intimate interest in forming you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalms 139, 13 and 14, you're fearfully and wonderfully made that all of his works, and that includes you, are wonderful. He loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die a horrific death for you and for your sins so that you could be forgiven and reconciled back to God because he wants a relationship with each and every one of you. Consider what it says in Ephesians 2.10. You're his workmanship, 
You're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for him, that we should walk in them. See, that's how much that you are known by God. Not only does he know you, but he also knows your name. He knows your name. Out of curiosity, how many of you in the room are willing to admit, I'll put my hand up first, because I do this. How many of you in the room, someone comes to you and you're like, I can't remember your name. And so rather than asking you for your name, I'm gonna say, hey, buckaroo. My name's not buckaroo. Sure, sure, sure it is, partner. You know, I mean, like, or hey, what's up, bro? Brother. Hey, man. Hey, bud. What's up, girl? Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, how many of us are willing to do that, right? I mean, it's sometimes just, it's almost easier. Like, rather than saying, you know what, I'm gonna, I wanna take the time, or I'm just, I admit I'm not gonna take the time to address you by name. <laughs> I'm gonna call you by, like, I guess, what my term of endearment for you. Um, and stuff, but uh, you know, there's 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 power in the name, you know. There's there's value in the name. And I, I mean, I, I gotta confess, I do it. I did I did it today. I did it this morning. Like I just I was like, oh my goodness, I'm calling you brother, knowing I'm going to address this, and even confess that I didn't call you by name. And it, I mean, it's something. I mean, it is. It's something that I know. I I, I want to work on it. I want to work on it. And, um, but something that kind of getting back to the, back to the text here, one of the things that, that really struck out to me in the passage, if you notice, is that every time Sarah or Abraham mentioned Hagar in their conversation, she was simply referred to as my slave or your slave. This tells me that she had no value in their eyes other than someone to be used for their own selfish gain. And in this situation, to manipulate God's plan to provide an heir. I can only imagine how discouraging that must have been for Hagar. But when God found Hagar at the well, the first word out of his mouth in verse 8 was Hagar. When no one else cared enough to show Hagar any decency, God did. Up until this point in the story, we don't even know if Hagar knew who God was, but he certainly knew who she was. He knew her name. And he showed respect by using it. Um, makes me think of the the summer after my uh, summer after I graduated high school, and the area our area put on like a first annual. As far as I know, it's still playing, still going, still happens. Uh, maybe it didn't this year with everything COVID, but. Uh, um, it was like the first annual like, football all-star game that, that was between area, area football players from, uh, or, or recent graduates from area Ohio, so I, I grew up in Southeast Ohio, along the Ohio River, Ohio West Virginia border. So it was Ohio uh, football players against uh, West Virginia football players. And, uh, I, mean, I got selected, don't know how, but I did. And so here I am practicing. And, and, and I noticed, I mean, we practiced, I don't know, two, three weeks or something like that. I mean, we had maybe like six, seven practices throughout, kind of spaced out. 
And I noticed, because uh, like all of us, like we all wore our, uh, almost kind of, you know, kind of like the, what, like the, uh, the senior bowl or the, or the, the, the shrine game, you know, like the, at the college level, they wear their school helmets, right? And, uh, and so, so we did, we wore our school helmets. And I noticed that the coaches, and they were kind of a select group too, so they would address their, uh, their players that they knew by name, but they would, there were some that was from other schools that they also addressed by name. But I noticed that every time they addressed, I went to the school I went to was Waterford. And every time that they addressed me or anyone from our school, it was like, hey Waterford, come on over. Hey Waterford, can you do this? And the kind of person that I was then um, was one that I just, I bottled it up, I held it in, I had no understanding of processing that. So it was just like, let me just kind of, I'll hide it, I'll stuff it, I won't deal with it, but I know that it's bothering me and it's getting under my skin. And eventually something would happen and like a volcano, just full eruption. And that happened the night of the game. And, um, we're playing, it's the night, I'm, I'm out there, I'm, I, I'm able to play a, few, play a few plays or whatever, and a sub came in, and it was easy to be like, man, what's, what's the deal, I didn't play long, I shouldn't be subbed out to two. So I got already kind of frustrated anyways. Hit this built up frustration, and one of the coaches yells, hey Waterford, it's okay, you'll get back in again. And I can vividly still remember taking my helmet, throwing it as hard as I could at the bench, staring at the coach with as much really like intensity, probably anger and hatred towards him, and just staring him down and saying, I've got a name, coach, and just walked away. I think eventually I got back in the game. I don't know, I, can, I, don't, I just don't even remember that. I just remember that moment. You know, there's value in a name. There's value in a name. And you need to know, God knows your name. He gave you your name. And your name is beloved. Your name is joy. Your name is peace. Your name is child. Your name is son, daughter. And if you know Jesus as your personal savior, we can receive that name. You've been given that name. You have an opportunity today to receive that name if you would like. See, if you're in Christ, Having accepted that free gift of grace and faith, your name is forever written in the book of life. As a born-again believer, your precious name is now eternal. That's something to celebrate. And lastly, not only does God see you and he knows your name, but God also sees your need. God sees your need. I love the fact that Elrai came to Hagar. Hagar. He sought her out and arrived at the moment of her greatest need. 
At that moment, God reassured Hagar that she was seen, that she was loved and not forgotten, that she and her unborn child would be cared for. And as with Hagar, God also promises you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And it is during your greatest times of need that El Rai pours out his grace and mercy upon you. I love how Holy Spirit works because Jeremy and I did not talk at all about the worship set. But that second song was some of the words verbatim of what was coming out of me to share to you. It was like, Holy Spirit, you are amazing the way you work. Absolutely amazing. So let's go back to the story. Let's, you know, let's go back and revisit verses 9 and 10 again. Verses 9 and 10 says, Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. See, God asks Hagar, he asked Hagar to do something that she didn't want to do. She was being mistreated very, very badly. So bad that the only option she thought was to run away, to leave, get out of there. And then when she's at one of the lowest moments of her life thinking, no one even notices, God lets her know that he sees her and then asks her to do what she sees as the hardest thing to do. And I love that it doesn't stop there. That's, I mean, that's verse 9. So verse 10, I love that, it, that, that God adds that he will increase her descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. There's a greater blessing when you do the hard thing. And I was reading that this morning and reading through, and it, and it hit me that her descendants are going to be too much and too numerous to count. That's going to happen after she passes if you're willing to do the hard thing, you may not see the blessing in your lifetime. But God's going to give a blessing through you that is greater than you can imagine when you're willing to do the hard thing. And it was after realizing that Hagar had, was seen by God that she was able to do that hard thing. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Just have a time. Just reflect, respond, hear, think through. So let me ask you, what feels hard in your life? What feels so tough that the only option you believed was to leave the situation? Maybe it's to stay in it. Maybe you found yourself thinking that no one has even noticed. No one cares. I'm here to tell you, there's a God in heaven who sees you in your time of need. He's found you in your lowest place. He's calling you by name, and he's asking you to do what feels like the hardest thing to do. When you genuinely experience God in a way like Hagar, you too will be able to do what feels hard. Just like the promise was given to Hagar, it will be given to you. You will receive a greater blessing when you do the hard thing. Maybe the blessing is a restored relationship. Maybe it's realizing that 
you may not have been in the right after all. And you can begin the process of confession, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Maybe it's honoring your boss well. Maybe God has someone else in your life who is dealing with the exact same thing that you're currently going through. And he wants to bless your life by empowering you, empowering you to help them. Maybe there's someone in this room that you're not sure what your name is. Because I'm telling you, God knows it. He knows your name. And if you need to receive Jesus today so that you can receive that name, with me. He would just ask all of you to pray with me. I've heard it said that even if you have prayed this prayer, it's really not a bad thing to pray it every day. Because sometimes the stress of the day, the situation that's going on in our life is so great that we we need to ask for Jesus to come in to our life for that day. So if you will, pray with me and say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I admit my sin to you. And I want to know you. And I ask that you come into my life. Take over my life. Take over my will. I submit my life to you. Use me, Lord, for your glory, for your name, to be praised. In Jesus' name I pray. You are just so good and we love you and we just are so grateful for your love for us Jesus thank you so much that when we cry out to you you move you have been ready for this day you have been ready for this moment you have been ready to redeem lives you have been ready to restore and to, to heal what happens when we call on the name of Jesus. So thank you for moving today. Thank you for moving in this place, moving in our hearts. We just ask that as this is a new day filled with new mercies and new blessings, thank you for this day. Use us today to make a difference in someone else's life. As you make a difference in our life today, may we honor you and may we glorify you in 
everything we say and do. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus some praise.